Hello everyone and welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Now spin it. Let's begin it. I'll have to try that again because that's a ridiculous set of oh, words yeah. <laughs> that a man has to say. Spin it. Let's begin it. Bear and grin it when you're in it. You can win it in a minute when you spin it, spin it, spin it. Oh, I thought you were going, uh, the, uh, in a land where monsters rule, Monster Rancher. I thought that was the route you were going. <laughs> Worst intro ever. Uh, so that must mean I'm Matsy. Right. And I'm the other guy, Micah. So this is Animation Celery. The deal here is that Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch. And next week, we meet to review and discuss them. This time, we've agreed to watch one movie... It's an oldie, Animal Treasure Island. First of all, though, we have ourselves a lovely chat. So, Matsy, what's going on? Uh, Follow-up from last week. Mm. Uh, we were confused as to whether Toonsee was in the Philippines or the United States. Mm -hmm. Because it sure seemed like she was in the Philippines, but her YouTube profile says she's in the United States. Right. As far as I can tell, she is in the Philippines. Right, all their vacations so, are to, like, Thailand and Singapore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, second. Yeah. Oh, did you have something to say on that? Well, also, I said that she worked on it alone, and for the most part, she has, but I rewatched the I Showed My Butt to the World, hmm. and it lists a background artist and uh, a storyboarder. So she has help oh. now. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, good for her. Okay. Uh, second, when we were talking about Steven Universe... Mm-hmm. You posed the question, do I think there is more than four pearls? Right. And I kind of hemmed and hawed and wasn't really sure. My my gut instinct was that there were, but I was trying to come up with some kind of proof to that. And I mentioned at one point that sapphires are a big deal, aristocratic gems. And I wondered if pearl, uh, if, if sapphires have pearls. Mm -hmm. Well, what occurred to me afterwards is... There's an episode where exactly that happens. Oh, right. The most famous one, arguably. They are breaking into a gem stronghold. And in order to sneak in uh, the crystal gems, Sapphire uh, acts as a Sapphire and Pearl, our Pearl, acts as that Sapphire's servant. Okay. The other thing I was thinking is if there were only four pearls, then people would make a bigger deal out of seeing pearl mm. because it would imply that there's a diamond around. Hmm, Specifically yeah. the pink diamond. Huh. So I am content to say that there are multiple pearls in the world. Well, in the galaxy, I guess not, maybe not on earth, but hmm. yeah, I like so, white diamonds, pearl. I like the, Oh yeah. I like the pearl we know. I hate yeah. yellow diamond and blue diamonds pearls. I don't mind. The, I'd like, I kind of like the blue one. Oh yeah. Um, there was one moment where I liked the yellow one where like yellow diamond was telling off Peridot mm -hmm. and you could see in the view screen, like the yellow diamonds pearl kind of just scoots in sideways with this dumb smirk on her face. Uh, I thought that was really funny. I just don't like their designs. I feel that there's a big drop off from name brand gems, if you will, and then like the rank and file gems that come later. And uh, it's not helped by, uh, there's a song number between Yellow Diamond and Blue Diamond. 
And I really oh, yeah. don't like their harmonizing in that either. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, fair enough. Hmm. It is kind of weird because like the, the gems, you know, uh, Pearl's Pearl is right in the middle of her forehead and Amethyst Amethyst is right in the middle of her chest. Hmm. Like they're so symmetrical. Right. And then there's like, oh, wait, now we have to make more uh, whose gems are somewhere else. Oh, and we kind of blew the obvious location on the main ones. Well, and the variance between all those rubies. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but anyway, that was just a quick thing I wanted to mention. Uh, the main thing that I wanted to talk about is something that appeared to me very recently. I was looking at my usual website that I go to to look at cartoons. Mm -hmm. And there's always new cartoons posted every day, and they are almost always anime. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of anime being produced, and then that anime gets translated. And so the translated version also has to get posted, and blah, blah, blah. So it's actually kind of unusual for a North American cartoon to pop up. And it always catches my attention, because it's something that I might recognize as being a big deal. Okay. And so something popped up called the Harper House, which immediately looking at the thumbnail, I thought, well, this is not anime, so it must be from somewhere in North America. And it's also kind of ugly, <laughs> at least at least on the little thumbnail. OK. And I haven't heard of it. What is this? So I turned it on, just watched. And as soon as it started, as soon as I saw the character designs, it was unmistakable. This is the new series from Brad Neely. Mm. Now, Brad Neely, I've mentioned before, uh, he kind of made his name on YouTube doing little cartoons about the uh, the Professor Brothers and Baby Cakes, which he parlayed into his TV series, China, Illinois. Right. And the, then yeah. uh, what was it? Harg Brad Neely's Hargnullen Scoplio Peeplio or something like that. Right. Some sketch comedy thing. So this is his new show, and it's interesting because, you know, China, Illinois was an extension of his YouTube stuff, and Harg Nalan was a little sketch comedy thing. Mm -hmm. So this is really the first show that he has made brand new from whole cloth. Hmm. So it's interesting from that. Um, the premise of it is it is a family dominated by the wife slash mother, uh, whose name is Debbie, and they are a well-to-do family who is now living in the town, a, a Victorian townhouse in the poor part of town because one, they've inherited, inherited it from their aunt. And two, Debbie has lost her job and is now working at her father's awning store. And <laughs> so money is way tight for them and they can't uh, continue to live in the means to which they have grown accustomed, specifically the two children uh, whose names are what? Ollie and something else. I don't remember the other kid's name. Okay. It's not important. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically them. The, I've, I've watched the first episode, which is them moving in and trying to the, the parents trying to hide their predict predicament from the kids, because the plan was to just live there from the summer and then Debbie was like, oh, I'm going to pitch this idea to my dad and he's going to go for it and we're going to make money again and then we'll be able to move back into our old house. And then it didn't work out that way. What does an awning store look like? <laughs> you know, it has an awning in the front. Of course. And uh, I think it's called um, a New Day's Awning. 
Ah, okay. And um, all you really see of it is the two desks that they're talking at. So I I don't really know what the rest of the show, what the rest of the um, store looks like yet. Maybe that'll oh. be in future episodes. I say it's like uh, <laughs> it was like an Apple store or something. <laughs> <laughs> you just look at them on a on a pad or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it's an adult animation thing. You know, there's some swearing to it. It's uh, you know trying to do what these kind of shows do. Um, mm. The thing that I thought most interesting about it was that the the big event that everybody in town was excited about is WrestleMonium 40. Okay. And I'm looking at this like, wow, this is some alternate universe where wrestling is still popular at all. Hmm. <laughs> I, I just, you know, yeah, yeah. my cynical cynical lapsed wrestling fan mind was amused by that idea that oh that's cute they think that people actually care about wrestling that's funny you fell so hard from being a wrestling fan well <laughs> wrestling fell really hard from being i mean wrestling was never good no but, but like we we, don't, we wouldn't see each other very often and mm. when i did see you i could count on a wrestling update <laughs> <laughs> well now they're Oh, boy. I mean, if you want a wrestling update, I can give you one. But basically, um, there's two companies, WWE, which used to be WWF, mm -hmm. and a new upstart called AEW. And basically, WWE is just offloading all of their established stars, and AEW is grabbing them up. Okay. And WWE is putting on just terrible television, and AEW is... Mm, not much better, but <laughs> there's no competition. They're not being driven to just, heights. <laughs> well, it's weird because like all the big names, like WWE is really just shooting themselves in the foot. It's like, who's our, the, the, it, like everybody, they're just letting everybody go. And AEW is just grabbing them all up. Hmm. And it's, it's weird. I don't know. Whatever. That's not what this pod, there are other podcasts about wrestling. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So update on that stuff and a new show from Brad Neely. I don't know where it's airing. I think it might be on that Paramount Plus or whatever that app thing is. Mm. But um, it exists. And I'll I see three episodes, so maybe I'll watch the other two. I don't know that it's a great show, but, uh, eh, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go along. I'll see what Brad Neely's got for me. All right. What do you got for me? Well, uh, first of all, I got to thinking that a lot of uh, podcasts and other sort of uh, internet media, at the start... They give special thanks to like their top donors on uh, their Patreon. Okay. Uh, we don't have a Patreon yet. And no. for that matter, you suppose to me that we might only have 20 regular downloaders. Yes. So I thought, why don't I thank them all right now? Every single one of them. Oh, do you know who they all are? Uh, maybe. I think so. So here I am thanking all the stalkers out there. There's Joe Presto, Barry Hubris, Mighty Matt, Mighty Max, Max Goof, Junkyard Dog, Corporal Capeman, Dr. Zaius, Uncle Fester, Slushhead, Oggy Doggy, Doggy Daggy, A Giant Woman, Sir Effing Toxford, XJ Nyine, Ranger Woodlore, Planet Beast, Baby Man, Milk Toast the Cross-Dressing Cockroach, and Dickie Moe. Thanks to all you guys. Huh. I think that's their names. Okay. Well, you know. Is the internet. Probably not the real names, but... Right, right. 
Um, stalker. They're stalker saunas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've been watching more uh, Popey the Performer. Oh, boy. Yeah. So season two introduces Poppy, Popey's dad. Um, and he actually adds a fun dynamic to the show. <laughs> okay. He's like a mentor. So oftentimes po- it starts as usual where Popey and Ketamono are trying out a new thing. And then Poppy will intervene and, you know, purely through gesture will indicate like, no, 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 not like that. This is how. Or right. uh, his, his alien-like wisdom Sometimes he he'll fling them into uh, really deadly challenges, you know, like strand yeah. them in the desert or something. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> if the episode I just finished watching was Sleep, and boy, oh boy, if you thought a saber tooth uh, shark getting split in half was disturbing, <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, now, hang on. Yeah. There's a curve here. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> so I should describe Poppy. Poppy's like, uh, he's in a uh, marigold colored leotard. Uh, and like Poppy, it's just his face showing through the window uh, mm-hmm. of, the, of the cowl. Uh, he, right. however, has like a sun's rays around that hole. Okay. He's got a little mustache. Otherwise, he kind of looks like Popey. And uh, he's got more human-like hands as well. And he tends to, like, gyrate and wiggle and dance in sensual ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this one that I watched, Sleep, uh, begins with Popey doing the robot. And both uh, Poppy and Ketamono aren't in it. They're just like, no, I don't think so. You know, they're stroking their chins and shaking their heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Ketamono sh- sheds his mask until the uh, the new mask is um, the, the flash of his, his eyes are like the flashes of cameras. So they're like robotic, oh, okay. right? Right. And it shows like Poppy's uh, slow motion blinking. So that the, hmm. so that we know the problem with his robot is that he blinks. So hmm. the the obvious solution is that Popey rips his eyelids off. Oh boy! Oh man! <laughs> yes. But later that night he can't sleep. <laughs> uh, so Ketamono is trying his best to do things that'll put him to sleep. Right? Like he's playing a music box and so on. Yeah. And all the commotion of him trying to put Popey to sleep wakes up Poppy, and then. Poppy springs up and he's excited because he gets to do uh, a chance to do some parental thing for Poppy. Mm-hmm. So he's like sauntering up in his way and he's holding uh, baby milk bottles on his chest in two locations. <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> anyway, so like a lot of crazy things happen to that point, but the ending is one of those like, oh, Oh, <laughs> moments where, well, this show, you just can't believe it sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it the first time I saw it. Yeah. It's just full of nutty, nutty stuff. Um, I guess if you're not into it, you're not into it for sure. But man, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's not, it's not grotesque enough that I'm repelled by it. It's not right. like I can't watch any more of this. 
It's more like I don't really want to watch any more of this. <laughs> I will if I, I, you know, I will if I'm, I have to. I have no opposition to it, but boy, <laughs> you know, every time I take a break and then come back and watch it, the thing that gets me first is uh, Kedamono's broken gate run. <laughs> where the interpretation of a wolf's uh, gait is all screwed up on him. Mm. He looks hilarious <laughs> as he hustles along, but anyway, that's that's one thing I did. Uh, uh, also, I finished season three of Star versus the Forces of Evil. Okay. Now, I happen to think that the end of season three is some fantastic series finale material. You know, what do you think? I like it. Um, it's sort of. It cuts down your expectations a little bit because uh, the intervention of another character plays so high into the way it resolves. Mm, yes. But, you know, getting to the end, it was funny. I liked Eclipsa a lot. And then there was a little volley of episodes before the climax where she wasn't in them at all. So I was happy to see her back. I really like her. Um, I, She's cool. Yeah, I like her uh, her style, her clothing style, which ironically is more uh, contemporary than Star and um, <laughs> yeah and and uh, Moon. Yeah. Um, I like her very round face, and uh, I like her mischievous sort of attitude. Yes. So I like Eclipse quite a lot, uh, and. You know, the show, I think, is really matured at the, this point at throughout season three. Yeah, I told you. They have. Well, one of the things is they've got such they've built such a breadth of characters, settings and plot points mm -hmm. so that an episode needn't have Star and Marco. In some cases, it doesn't have either of them. Yeah. Yeah. They um, there's a couple of buff frog uh themed episodes i think one is called is mystery hmm. and the other one's called is another mystery right although and now that i'm thinking about it you might not have gotten to those ones yet oh i think i think i have okay and there's uh episodes within her wand as well oh yes really feature. the top hat yeah oh and uh the <laughs> what is it the infernal eye or whatever it is the uh that watchful eye that repeats everything it sees oh you know the right. one yes yeah, yeah that's yeah, another yeah, one yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, good show. I'm still having fun with it. So, yeah, I mean, the, I, I think you've hit the peak of it. Yes. Season, season four, I didn't find as interesting. It's, it has its moments for sure. Like, I'm not saying it's bad, um, but it's just kind of like, like season three told such a, such an awesome story. Hmm. Season four is, isn't as good. And I think the the finale is a bit of a letdown, but hmm. I will let you decide for yourself. Yeah. Well, out of the corner of my eye, I keep seeing the articles and like the reddits and whatever that will say that, oh, this, this is when Star really loses it. But a lot of them huh. contend like it lost it after season two. So who knows? Mm, I don't know. I think season three was where it like. You know, it, I, I really liked season three with the whole eclip, Eclipse thing. Um, actually, there is one episode in season. There's a few good points. To see. There's, there's an episode in season four, and I don't know why, but like it's the name of it is jumping out in my mind like an episode that I really enjoyed, although I mm. can't think of specifically why at this point. But the episode is called The Ponyhead Show. 
Hmm. And it's basically Ponyhead like broadcasting to people's phones or magic mirrors, I guess it is. Huh. I yeah. Season three had the one Ponyhead focused episode where she's hiding from the world and watching her Korean drama. Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't much like Ponyhead. I think mm. though she's sort of analogous to um, oh crud from from Adventure Time. Who am I thinking of? Oh, um, uh, Lumpy Space Princess? Lumpy Space Princess, yeah. She's sort of like that, I guess. You know, it's interesting because the same voice actress does a voice in Adventure Time. Not Lumpy Space Princess, though. <laughs> no, uh, Huntress Wizard. Oh, okay. Hmm. Which shocked me. I was like, that's, um, oh man, what's her name? Is she, she was in, um, oh man, what's that? I'm forgetting everything. What was that show in Alaska that I kind of liked? The Great North. Great North. Ah, she yeah. was in that. <laughs> She okay. was in that, like, in a starring role, and I was really happy to see her in a starring role, because, like, she had been a bit player in Adventure Time and Bob's Burgers and Star and Forces of Evil, and I was like, oh, good, she's got her own show. It's funny, I occasionally and, look up The Great North. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make memes around Honeybee's butt and you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not quite materialized yet because I don't want to steal anyone's picture, anyone's screen capture. But <laughs> oh, oh man, <sighs> stupid. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? No. Let's get to it. Yeah. All right. So here we go. This time, on your suggestion, we watched this thing called Animal Treasure Island. Now, first of all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why don't you tell us all what it's about? And then we can start talking about the, uh, <sighs> why? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So this is directed by Hiroshi Ikeda in 1971. Uh, the movie is loosely based around the children's novel of 18th century piracy, Treasure Island, except that most of the characters are funny animal cartoons. Jim Hawkins is one of those humans. He's left running the inn while the innkeeper is out. Also, he sort of takes care of the innkeeper's baby boy, Babu. Sorta is a, sort of is a real big uh, <laughs> yeah. disclaimer there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One night, Jim and his tiny mouse associate, Rex, are dreaming of sailing away to adventure when a shady cat outlaw with a pig leg shows up to stay the night. When scary pig hoodlums swarm the inn, the cat pays Jim to keep his little casket safe. The inn is ransacked, and I guess the cat was slain or run away? I think in the book he had a stroke or something. Yeah, or he was like, maybe, and also uh, taken in by the constabulary or something? I don't really, he's His name is Bones, I believe, and yeah. he's, he's just out of the picture after this inn sequence. Yeah, which is weird, but we'll get to that. Um yeah. So Jim and Rex decide to just help themselves to what's inside the little chest. And inside is a map to Treasure Island, whereon the infamous Captain Flint hid his booty. Jim and Rex set off the next day in a charming steam-powered boat made out of barrel. They happen <laughs> on a sinking ship, set a fire, and then the pirate ship responsible for the damage. They're overpowered. They're captured. By the pig, Captain Silver, and his animal crew. By the way, Babu the baby stowed away on the barrel, too, it seems. 
They're all brought to Pirate Island to be sold into slavery. But Baron, the untrustworthy wolf first mate, steals Jim's treasure map before he's taken away by the slaver. While being held in their cell, Jim and Rex meet Kathy, another slave-to-be. She's the third and last human to be shown in this movie. And <laughs> yeah, they never describe why, but anyway. Uh, she's the tough-as-nails granddaughter of Captain Flint, the guy who hid the treasure on Treasure Island. The three kids, well, two kids and one mouse, reobtain the map during a chaotic shootout at the pirate's council room. But ultimately, Kathy steals it and bargains with Baron to steal Silver's ship to go treasure hunting. And then the rest of the movie is a battle between the kids and the pirates, or sometimes other pirates and ba or bad weather forces them all to work together, but only for as long as is needed. Yeah, the it's basically everybody double-crossing everybody else. Right. Um, Trying to get this treasure. It's kind of a... Uh, a Pirates of the Caribbean style movie in that way, I guess. I guess. Except I it's mean, not it's, as pronounced. It's, it moves much faster. Yeah. And, you know, we there's only so much that we can criticize the story if we're going to, because mm. it's based on this book. Like they're, you know, they're limited in what they can do. So I'm not going to say, oh, this this part's dumb or whatever. Like, like you know, there's a source material that they're working with. Right. And, you know, <laughs> This might be weird. Okay, so this this is a Hayao Miyazaki movie in every way except the credits. Yeah. It's got a different director. Hayao Miyazaki isn't even credited as one of the writers, but he is. Mm. Um, and he made a comic to promote the thing, too. And he's famous. Like, he was he was a uh, animation director on this, but he's famous for just in, uh, asserting himself on all levels of productions that he was in. <laughs> and this is very much his kind of movie. Well, yeah, like I can see, you know, there's there are certain sequences of it where the animation is like really good. Mm -hmm. um, there's a there's a dancing sequence where Baron is dancing with a dress. Right. That I thought flowed really well. Uh, there's really amusing. They do things in interesting ways, like little things like um, there was a shot where uh, Captain Silver is chasing Jim and Jim like scurries out of a. Uh, like a cannon window that has like a, a metal flap holding it. And mm. like Silver tries to like, it's weird. Like he tries to backwards pull himself up by the hatch, which then falls down onto him. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just weird, weirdly elaborate. I mean, it sounds simple when I say it, but when you consider how it could have gone, mm -hmm. like it's, it's more elaborate than it needed to be. And I find that interesting. Huh. You know, yeah, yeah, he's, I think he, young Miyazaki, his, he's his kind of character, just a <laughs> big old oaf who knocks everything over and smashes everything as he hurries <laughs> to wherever he's going, you know, and he's, he like scrabbles and climbs and, you know, supports himself by his hook hand in reverse and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, I like the way that he treats his hand like a hand, like he'll kind of, he'll kind of wring it. Hmm. Like a hand, he'll, he'll right. sort of put it in his mouth, like he's putting a finger in his mouth curiously, that kind of thing. You, you know, another thing about the animation in this, and, and I think all that old Miyazaki stuff, uh, well, and, and more modern stuff, too, because I think this movie closely resembles Porco Rosso in terms of its kind of energy. Mm. So 
I was thinking in a lot of like Western traditions of animation, the anticipation is huge. So, and maybe to the point where it's a little hammy, right? To where if somebody's going to do something, they coil up, you know, and then yeah, it, there's there's an extra weight to it. And this movie, which is really violent too, just things explode. <laughs> things happen yeah. really suddenly, right? Except it, in the dialogue. <laughs> Well, I yes. mean, and this is a localization thing, I would assume, because, you know, this is this is why I like subtitled anime instead of dubbed anime, because like there's 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 a sequence when they meet Kathy mm-hmm. where she's like, Captain Flint was my grandfather. And then Jim's like, you mean you're Captain Flint's granddaughter? It's like, oh, right. That's what she just said. Like, there's <laughs> there's a couple of instances like that where there's like really like mundane bits of conversation that are unnecessary just because it was localized poorly and they had to fill that time with something. So they just reiterate what's already said or take Uh, too long to say simple things. I I bet, I bet it's about the same originally. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mm. And I guess that's in essence, the, this movie's version of anticipation, right? Or it'll slow Mm. down for some scenes like that. Or uh, when, Kathy and Jim are having their fantasy about traveling to like, what was it? The, the uh, starport or something on a magical oh, boat. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For the oh, yeah, the sound quality of this old dub is awful, <laughs> just awful. So like the singing, what are they saying? I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the time, right? Uh, kind of, yeah. The voice actors Billy Lou Watt voices Jim Hawkins, and mm-hmm. Corin. All the women and kids on Speed Racer or is Kathy. <laughs> they they did apparently did a lot of these kinds of things. Like, uh, have you ever seen uh, the anime Jack and the Beanstalk? I don't think so. Maybe when I was a kid at some point. Mm. They're Jack and the Princess on that, too. And so, mm. yeah. I know that Billy, Billy Lou was um, Astral Boy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I was trying to think of where I knew that voice from, and it's kind of every boy in anime to some extent. Um, but I was there was a part of me that was like, "Is this the same person that did the voice of Ralph in From A to Z Z Z Z?" Yeah, not I at think all. They're okay, uh, and you know, for I guess if you grew up with these kinds of things, then there's a nostalgia kick to their voices too. Yeah. Um, oh, she she also did the voice of Rex, Billy Billy Lou, and oh yeah. Um, I couldn't help but think the whole times like she's from somehow from like 40 or 50 years in the past. She's doing her best Kate Micucci impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw a picture. Maybe it's a time travel thing. Maybe that is Kate Micucci. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like the rasp of her boy voice. Hmm. Um, and yeah. I, I guess her more different her rasp for her for her mouse voice. <laughs> um, this is a turn your brain off popcorn movie. Like, yeah, it made me think like people will say that, you know, no character has any uh, arc of change. I guess Baron, the first mate, has the biggest change in the movie. <laughs> I guess. But it's not that kind of movie, right? It's just a adventure. Sometimes there's danger and they overcome it. You know, <laughs> this actually, I learned of this movie because I'll sometimes watch 
uh, these videos uh, categorized as sakura, where they're like uh, uh, compilations. So it'll be sometimes around a theme like, you know, uh, machines sakuga or uh, specific animators and stuff from this movie just kept coming up and up. <laughs> so I was wondering why you wanted to watch this. Yeah, I hadn't watched it ever before. And yet I saw some of those crazy battles, like especially uh, when the steel plated pirate ship comes to attack mm. Captain Silver's ship. Yeah. All the mental sort of, you know fight here fight here tumble on this swing on that slide on that kind of thing it's um, like it's like in those lord of the rings movies when there's just infinite orcs it's right. kind of the same thing with infinite striped shirted pigs <laughs> right like I, just a, a ridiculous number of enemy pirates i like even even to the point there's one shot that shows both of the boats from a distance and so you can see pigs swarming out of the, the metal <laughs> ship on the other one. But then there's just other pigs just doing whatever. Like there's a galley where some pigs are cooking and some other pigs are eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah, there's one pig with signal flags. Who knows what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought that was cute. As these little like visual gags of stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of the visuals of this, mm-hmm. you know what the main thought that went through my mind the whole time I was watching this was? What? I bet Shigeru Miyamoto watched this movie a bunch and took a lot of inspiration from this movie making The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Oh, yeah, maybe so. Because especially like when they went to Pirate Island, which is this skull shaped island, but it's all like cliffs in Mm. the shape of a skull, like in the outline of a skull. Mm. And then there's like doors that open up with cannons inside and there's like a barrel with cannons inside and stuff. And I'm just looking at this whole thing and I'm thinking like, this looks exactly like Wind Waker. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I I can see what you mean. And then for the character designers also doing like the cartoonish proportions of all the uh, pirates in this. Yeah. To some extent. Yeah. You know, I bet those pirates were in for a serendipitous surprise when they mapped the Island they'd settled. Like it's Hmm. a skull. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, also treasure island itself looked like a it actually kind of looked like one of the starting islands in wind waker yeah i just i just kept getting that over and over like everything in this every every piratey thing in this movie looks like uh it inspired wind waker treasure island is kind of cute where it's got this really really steep central mountain Mm -hmm. which is a dormant volcano and then on the side, it's got this little smoking fumarole. Yeah. So <laughs> you can touch back on. Uh, oh, oh, one thing uh, that this movie is incredibly violent, um, but it's like not, not graphic. No. Well, so, sometimes like it's, it's madcap, funny, violent. Mm-hmm. So you'll watch like Jim fall from a mast and then tumble down every <laughs> set of stairs until he gets to the bottom deck. Um, but yeah, he's like, he, he's falling down the entire Titanic. Sure. But he's alive. Right. And that's yeah. the kind of thing that happens to everybody in this thing. But at the same time, there's just moments where you're like, wow, you know, or I, I was watching this with Raven and she, <laughs> she was astounded when things happened, you know, like what is he trying to rip him in half? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like, I was talking about the animation, how things just happen suddenly. 
So it's mm-hmm. kind of like I've described before. Sometimes things just shock me into laughter. <laughs> There's a moment where Kathy just swats a character out of the way so suddenly it's just like whack off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's some weird like um she gets smacked. Oh yeah. Like quite like that's uh, I I think she looks good with her guns. Like she's got yes. two flintlock pistols and she she just looks like a badass. Oh yeah, she um, means business. But then at the same time she's like <laughs> you know, she's trying to keep herself sequestered from the pirates and yet when there's a knock on her door, she'll just open it and look out. Hmm. There's there's weird little things like like there's <laughs> there was part that made me laugh where they're sneaking into her room like the pirates are mm. and Silver opens up this trap door and he said no one aboard this ship knows about this trap door but me oh, yeah. he's saying this to his entire crew <laughs> not his entire just like six guys <laughs> <laughs> actually the thing thing that Raven thought was funny from that is that he makes his first mate Baron. Uh, go onto all fours to use him as a step stool to get up through yeah. the trap door. And he still has a really hard time getting up through the trap door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next guy just jumps straight up through it. <laughs> I noticed that too. Yeah. It was like, they wanted to get this gag out of the way. And it's like, and then we got to get the rest of them up there too. Yeah. You know, one, one of the, um, uh, one, some of the slapstick that's like a running gag. And this is pretty funny is the times when the crew tries to revive silver with coffee. Mm, yeah. And it escalates the degree to which they're just pouring this uh, scalding, <laughs> steaming coffee down his gullet. <laughs> yeah, like a whole, like, friggin', like, serving pot just full of it. <laughs> yes. Not like a carafe, but like a pot that you would brew stew for a whole crew <laughs> yeah. in. Just dumping it down his open mouth. <laughs> and then he snorts it out his nose. <laughs> There's some pretty, like the movie itself, like you said, it's kind of popcorny. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of the first things that I've watched on this show where I wasn't paying full attention to it, where I just kind of right. had something else going in the background. Yeah. But at the same time, like the parts of it that stood out, there were little moments like that where it's like, Oh, that was actually really well done. Okay. You know, sometimes I find it refreshing for a movie to be this shallow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, if you think about it, the real treasure was the friends they made along the way. But also it was the heaps of jewels and gold coins, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it's it's nice speaking of shallow that like, you know, it's not like the the evil John Silver. First of all, he was. He was presented as much of a buffoon as he was a villain. Right. And also he didn't just die at the end. Like there's, you know, during the end credits, like him and his buddy spider, a spider monkey Hmm. are like paddling after the ship, like fighting, swatting at each other with paddles. Like it's just a, you know, it's not a final death. It's just a comedic ending where he's like still being bumbling, trying to get his. There's the weird inconsistency for me, right? Because. His name Bones, the cat at the beginning with the peg leg. Yeah. Maybe he died, right? And the mm-hmm. first the first ship that uh, Jim comes across while he's still in his barrel boat that's burning and sinking. Yeah. I guess all of them died too, right? <laughs> yeah. And yet a whole... Exactly sh- yeah. A whole, doesn't exactly shy away from the fact that they're pirates. A whole host of other characters get to have all this comic mischief and survive all kinds of crazy things. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, you're saying they don't don't shy away from being pirates. That pirate council is pretty funny. How they're all just <laughs> they're all scoundrels. They're all in it to hurt each other and uh, threaten each other. Yeah, they get into this weird fight. Although, okay, so Jim and Kathy have a bond, maybe just around, maybe just along species. <laughs> mm. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Kathy says that her her grandfather was not like these other pirates, but come on, right? Mm, yeah, um, yeah. So they have a bit of a bond, but does Jim strike you as all that good a person? <laughs> he's... Like he wins over he, some pirates, but because he's better than silver, but what a low bar. He seems like a, a blank character who is the hero because we're told he is. Yes. And he just kind of does whatever is necessary. Like, th I guess this is what the good guy would do. Or it's like, you know, the villains are trying to do this. So he does the opposite. And he's like I said, he's a blank slate that just kind of does what you, the audience, wants to see somebody do in this situation to get past these villains. What he doesn't do is mind the innkeeper's infant son, Babu. Holy smoke. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't give a... He, he... Man, that... Why is that Babu even in this? So, as soon... After he gets the treasure map, and he says, he says to Rex, well, let's go. And Rex is like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then the next scene you see is in the boat. And I'm looking all the boat thinking, where's the baby at? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when he, he, he's got a, a tiny cannon that comes out of a trap door in his boat <laughs> and the baby is stowed away on top of the cannon and it surprises him. Like, what, what are you doing here? As in, he was just going to leave him. Like, I guess ah, the innkeeper will be back tomorrow, whatever. Yeah, and like they went through a whole day and night of sailing. Yeah, and, and then noticing. <laughs> yeah, he really wants the apple. Well, of course he does. He hasn't eaten. Um, yeah, yeah. And then later on, he escapes the pirate ship, and the baby has sort of been adopted by Otto the Walrus on the ship. <laughs> His name was Wally. No, it's Otto. Well, maybe okay. it's Wally. Maybe it's Otto in the original. Japanese. I don't know. They've got some different names, some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the walrus. He's he's the most kind-hearted pirate in the movie and maybe character in the movie, I guess. Yeah, and the first to turn. Yeah. Um, Although he doesn't, he turns by necessity because he is on the half of the man of war, which is Silver's ship. Yeah. That um, Jim is also on when it splits in half and then continues sailing for a while. Also, he's uh, got infinite capacity for carrying cannonballs, but yeah, really. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, funny thing is, if if I were to think about Jim is maybe eleven or something, mm -hmm. um, if I were to think about what an eleven-year-old boy might do in this adventure, he might be satisfied that the kid's taken care of and just leave the boat. You know, all right, I'm free to adventure, or he just didn't like think about it at all. <laughs> Boy, I got, I, like you said, I, I think it's more didn't think of it at all. Like I, I would forget about that baby. Right. Like he's, he's very interested. He, like he's, he wants the map. He's, he's not romantically interested in Kathy, but he's interested in her as a friend and like saving her and everything. Yeah. But like, he doesn't care about Babu at all. Yeah. The kindest thing he does is rescue him from a bomb in the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> Ten seconds in, you're done with his obligation to this baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So what would be your overall verdict then? I guess you're saying, uh, uh, watch it kind of. I I think it's fun. I guess it's fun. I guess there's, you know, there are certain, it doesn't look, I mean, it's 1971. It doesn't look like anime does now. It's, you know, it's, there's parts of it that are animated nicely. There are parts of it that are slow and dumb. Like there's a sequence where they take forever on the cliff leading up to the treasure. Mm. Um, there's a sequence where Baron can't figure out that Babu's pulling his whiskers. Right. And it's like three times of him getting pulled and looking around and like, mm. so like right. it's kind of slow, but you know, there are parts of it here and there that are kind of like, Oh, that was, that was interesting to watch. On the whole, though, eh. <laughs> I'm glad I watched it because, you know, it's a Hayao Miyazaki movie, kind of, mm. that I'd never seen. So cool on that. Yeah. And I have context now for the insane <laughs> battle <laughs> between pirate ships. Yeah, you're you. You now know you get the references. You've seen the memes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Kind of a short one this week. Yeah, it looks like it. That's fine, though. It's digestible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like the movie. Yeah. Slow and in parts. It's kind of long. So. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, Animal Treasure Island. I give it a thumbs up, and Math- Matsy gives it a. Eh. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's not. You know, I'm not saying it's bad. Um, I'm just saying it's, it's a movie that came out in 1971. Yeah. Anyway. I guess we'll move on to next week. Mm. Uh, we'll do a couple of episodes of cartoons next week. I'll give you one for you to watch. Mm. I <laughs> forgot about it until we started recording and last minute went, um, um, and decided that maybe I want you to watch Muppet Babies. Uh-huh. The first one, not the current remake version. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and an episode that I picked out is called I Want My Muppet TV. Oh, neat. Okay. Uh, I went a couple decades later, maybe three decades later. I would like you... would be like now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a decade. Anyway, I would like you, Matsy, to watch an episode of The Mighty Bee. And its title is There's Something Wrong With This Taffy. And the other part of the split episode is Name shame. The mighty bee. Yeah, do you not know what that is? It sounds so familiar, but I can't. Hang on a second. The, let me just scroll around here. The, the B is just a letter B. Um, do some search quick here. Da, 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 the mighty B. Oh, I think I. I think I might have seen this briefly and then not like seen a picture of it and not followed up on it. Hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, all right, yeah, neat. So, something I'll go into blind. Okay, yeah, the mighty bee. Yeah, all right, so neat. So, you got Muppet Babies. Looks like we got a child theme this time. Right. Okay, cool. So, until next time, thank you all for listening to this. Thank you all for watching this. Uh, Go ahead and watch along on Animal Planet or whatever that movie we just watched was called. You know how many (laughs) times I thought it was called Animal Treasure Planet? I've typed it up that way a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let us know what you think of our show and tell other people about the show and tell us what you want us to watch. 
because obviously we'll watch anything. I am AC Matsy on Twitter. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And if you want to see the nonsense I post, I'm at DrabSwatch on Twitter. And now I put one card face down onto the battlefield and I end my turn. Without knowing the rules of this game, I will attack with Blue Eyes White Dragon. You've activated my trap, the <clears throat> Celery Stalker's slogan. My grandfather was Captain Flint. <gasps> you mean you're the captain's granddaughter? Yes. Yeah. <laughs>